Again, it's good to have everyone out on this beautiful Lord's Day as we uh, continue to try to strive to please God in the commandments that He has given us in His Word, to worship Him by His commandments that is in spirit and in truth. We're going to continue our study this morning on the seven churches of Asia. And so this is going to be part number four of the series to overcome. As Sean had read earlier this morning in Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, I, this is talking about John, was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in the book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and on to Thyatira, and on to Sardis, and on to Philadelphia, and on to Laodicea. So that brings us to, to church number four. That would be Thyatira. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. And on to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like a fine brass. And so here, again, we, we can see that the Son of God is speaking. It is Jesus Christ. And then John, in his description of Christ, in Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, talking about, and he said, His head and his hairs were white as light wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like on the fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his, and his voice is the sound of many waters. And so we have John's description, and we have Christ saying that it is he that is speaking, as was described there by John. So as in every case, we have always taken a look at what the church there were, was doing well. So point A will be the good. Revelation chapter 2, verse 19. Jesus says, I know thy works and charity and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. So, we notice works. Every time it, we, have, it, we have studied, it's been works. Every church so far has had works. However, Thyatira was excelling in works. They were doing more works now than they were before. As you, have, as you can see in the verse, he says, I know thy works. And then when he finishes the list, he says, and thy works, the last to be more than the first. And so they were, their works were excelling more than their works at the beginning. And so this church here was doing many, many good works. Well, what attitude did they have when it came to doing works? They probably had the same mindset that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15, when Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And so those at the house of Stephanus, what a great uh, compliment was given to them in saying that they had addicted themselves to the ministering of the saints. And so no doubt this church here in Thyatira, they had addicted themselves to the ministering of the saints and doing those good works. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, the writer writes, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work 
and labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And so God is not going to be unrighteous. He's not going to forget that those good works that you have done, your labor of love. See, that's another thing that we're going to see the church in Thyatira, that they had that loving attitude. And so they were able to do it with love, these great works. And that great work can be in the ministering to the saints. So another thing that they were doing very well was that charity or love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, that's a very good work. And though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profits me nothing. And so if he was giving his, his goods to feed the poor, but he didn't have love, it really doesn't profit anything. He wouldn't have the right attitude when he was giving his stuff. And so as we had read just there in Hebrews that those people that the good work of the ministry of the state, it was a labor of love. A labor of love. Um, this would not be Thyatira's attitude in their good works. They would not have no charity, that, that being said. They showed their abundant love for the brethren through those good works that they were doing. It was a love that could be seen. It wasn't just lip service. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you what? love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Well, how are men on the outside going to know if we have love for one another? Well, it's a love that they can see. It's a love that can be seen. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Peter writes, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. And so it's a sincere love. It's not that lip service. It's, it's a sincere love that we have for one another. It's a sincere love that can be seen by others on the outside. And then they were doing service. They, they were doing service very well. Jesus is our example. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. He was a servant first. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he says, But made himself of no reputation, talking about Christ, and took upon him, him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And so he made himself of no reputation. He didn't make himself a rich person. He was a carpenter's son. He was a servant first. And he could have been whatever Christ decided to make himself, but he chose to make himself a servant, a man of no reputation. Our desire should be to serve others. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 and 27, Jesus says, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, what will you need to be? Let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. And so minister and servant, they're one of the same. And so if you want to be very great in the kingdom, be a minister. Be, be one that serves. If you want to be one that's very chiefly, well, then you need to humble yourself to be a servant first. 
You don't serve self, you serve God. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so if we're wanting to serve the Lord, we have to serve others. That's part of it. Serving others. Putting, putting self last. We serve God. We serve others. And then if there's room for us, then we serve ourselves. In this congregation, they were workers. That's another good thing that was being said of this congregation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul writing there to the church at Corinth, he says, For we are laborers together with God. It's labor. We are to be laborers. We are to do work. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And then it was noted their faith that they had. They put their faith into action. In James chapter 2, verse 17, even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. And so if you have faith, but you do not have any works, well, your faith is dead. But their faith was alive. They had many works. As we had seen, they had done more at the end than they were doing at the beginning. In James chapter 2, verse 14, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man saith he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? And so James is posing the question, if someone says that he has faith, but he has no works, can he be saved by faith only? God requires us to do good works. In James chapter 2, verse 15, he says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and so do you help them? Or do you say, oh, that's too bad? Verse 16, And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, Notwithstanding, you give not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? What does it profit if we just say, well, depart in peace. We, we hope you find what you need. But if we have the opportunity to, and we have the goods to give them, why would we not give them what is needful of their body? Actions speak louder than words. In James chapter 2, verse 18, James says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. And so again, we put our faith in God, and so we're able to let go of our possessions to help those in need. That's what this church here at Thyatira, that's the attitude that they had. They were willing to let go because their faith was in God that he would provide for them, would bless them according to their works. And then they had that patience, that endurance. How were they able to keep the faith? It was their love for one another. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul writing to the churches in the area of Galatia, he says, Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so they were bearing one another's burden. They were not allowing someone to struggle. They were helping one another out. It was their love that you could see for one another. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. That's freedom. That's We've been called into liberty from our sins. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, 
but by love serve one another. And so you don't obey the gospel to see what you can get out from people. You don't use it as an occasion to the flesh, but you, you use it to be able to serve one another. It's not what you can give, but what you can give to others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 25 and 26, Paul writing again to the church at Corinth, that there should be no schism in the body, no division, but that the members should have the care, same care one for another. And so we are to care for one another. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so if one person is going through rough times, we should feel the effects. If one person is going through great things, we should rejoice with them. We should not be jealous. We are on a race to get to heaven. That's what we looked at several weeks ago. And we should be trying to take everyone with us. We should want to see the faces we see in this building today. We should want to see them when we make it to heaven one day. We should have that love for one another. The things that they were doing badly, that'll be point B. Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. Jesus says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed on the idols. Uh, Jezebel, this woman was no doubt evil. This was probably not her real name, um, but she's being referred to as back when we read of Jezebel in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25, but there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. And so Jezebel stirred her husband Ahab to do wicked things in the sight of the Lord. Well, that's what this lady here was doing in the congregation. What did he do? What wickedness was he doing? In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 26, and he did very abominably in following what? Idols. Idol worship. He was leaving the true God and worshiping idols. According to all the things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And so he was doing the same thing as the Amorites did. He was he was a idol worshiper. But it was because Jezebel stirred that up in him. In 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 30 and 31, And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the, of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And so that was one of the false gods that he was worshipping was Baal, and that was because of his wife, Jezebel. She also called herself a prophetess, but she was a false prophet. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith. Well, how will they depart from the faith? giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And so this, this Jezebel in this congregation, she was, she was a seducing spirit. 
she was she was speaking doctrines of devils. Well, how did how did how will these people seduce? How did she seduce? In First Timothy chapter four verse two, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And so she was a false prophet. She spoke lies. She seduces Christians into committing fornication with other gods serving idols. In Judges chapter 2 verse 17, And yet would they not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods, and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way, which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of God, but they did not so. And so she was causing Christians to go a whoring after other gods, after those false gods. And they were being quickly turned out of the way that is Christianity. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, Paul writing to the church of Corinth, But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. Well, the Gentiles were idolaters and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. And so you're not to have fellowship with those that are, are um, offering sacrifices to idols. And then another thing that she did was she taught. And so no doubt there was men in that congregation. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, Paul writing to the young preacher Timothy, he says, But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. And so she was teaching, and no doubt she was teaching, she had men converts, no doubt, and so um, converts to the devil, not converts to Christ. So that was another thing that she was doing in error. And her followers were seeing her gaining traction. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 22 Behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her in the great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Well, that casting there into a bed, what does that mean? Matthew chapter 25, verse 30, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so he's going to cast her into that bed of fire, that Gehenna hell at the end of time. And then he says to them that commit adultery with her. Well, there was those that were following her teachings. God is going to cast her into Gehenna hell. Those that have committed spiritual adultery with her, followed after her false doctrines, will have the same fate. Revelation chapter 2, verse 23, And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto everyone of you according to your works. Well, those children, that would be any that follow her teachings in the future, will also have the same fate. They were not they will not be children of God, but they will be children of the devil. And so those would be her children. They wouldn't be God's children because it's not serving the true God. Point number C would be the solution. What would be the solution? For the woman, Jezebel. Revelation chapter 2, verse 21. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. God gave her time to repent, but she refused repentance. She's self-condemning herself. Those who have followed her teachings, 
Revelation chapter 2, verse 22. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her in the great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. They will need to repent immediately of their deeds, their wickedness, their, them serving those false gods. They need to leave the false gods and turn back to Christianity. They need to be converted back to Christianity. For those who have not followed after her, what will be? Revelation chapter 2, verse 24. But unto you I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many have had not this doctrine. What doctrine? The doctrine of Jezebel. And which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak. I will put onto, upon you no other burden. And so he says, if you're not following after uh, these doctrines of Satan, that's what it is. Anytime that it's a doctrine contrary to the word of God, it is a doctrine of, of Satan. It's a lie. He is the father of lies. And so he's saying to the rest of you, if you are not following after her doctrine, well then I'll put no other burden on you. He finds nothing to their fault. Remember that he was speaking very well to the congregation here in Thyatira. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 2 verse 25, but that which you've already had already but that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. And so all those good things that we were reading that the church there in Thyatira was doing, he's saying keep doing those good words. Just keep doing them. You stay strong, hold fast in the faith. And then point D, we'll look at the reward that's being promised to those in Thyatira. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 26 and 27, Jesus says, And he that overcometh, and keepeth my works unto the end. To him will I give powers over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. And so when Jesus ascended to the Father, he sat down on David's throne. We are part of that everlasting kingdom. We're in the earthly phase now, but when we part and the day of judgment comes, we'll be a part of that everlasting kingdom. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, we were called out of darkness by the gospel into the light. Darkness being sin. But we are a royal priesthood. We are kings. We are priests serving God. And notice it says a holy nation. Well, this nation is going to uh, be better than all other nations. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, John writes, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And so kings and priests, that goes back to that royal priesthood that Peter was talking about. When we get to the church of Laodicea, we will see that those who overcome will sit with him in his throne. It's not that we will rule over them on earth, but at the day of judgment, all nations will be subdued and the holy nation of God will live forever. Revelation chapter 2, verse 28, Jesus also says, and I will give him the morning star. And so he's saying, I will give him uh, those that overcome the morning star. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. 
I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Jesus says that he is the morning star. If Jesus is the morning star, we will be as a morning star also. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, John says, Beloved, now, uh, beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so if Christ is a morning star, we will be a morning star also. Another reference to the marriage of the Lamb. And we'll study that, um, Lord willing, I believe it will be next week, we'll be studying the church there in Sardis. Revelation chapter 19 and 8, uh, verse 9, uh, chapter 19, verse 8, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. Well, that would be the bride of the Lamb, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And so... That white there is the righteousness of the saint. Well, if you look up that word light there, it comes from the Greek word lampros, which means radiant, bright. And so you can imagine the morning star being very bright. And so if Jesus, star, if Jesus Christ is a morning star, very bright, when we get to heaven, we too will be bright because it's the righteousness of the saints that she's going to be clothed in, the church, the bride. And that it's that radiant brightness. And so here this morning, if any have not obeyed the gospel of Christ, we give that offering to you this morning. And it starts by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17, so that we may have faith uh, in that word. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six. Our faith is in that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He once lived in, the, in heaven as the word, he left the comforts of heaven. He was born of a virgin mother. He became Jesus, the Christ. He lived a sinful life on earth. He was hung on a cross to die for our sins. He was buried in that tomb, and God raised him up on that third day. And he is living today in heaven, sitting on David's throne. And then, once you believe all that, and you see that you were once serving self and not serving God, well, that would lead to repentance. That is your next step. And that repentance is, is just having a change of mind that produces a change of life. Jesus says, without repentance, we will perish, Luke 13, 3 and 5. And that uh, Paul says that God's commanded all men everywhere to repent. And so we must repent in order to be pleasing to God. Even those who were in the church as we are studying, how are they to correct what was going wrong in the churches? They're always told to repent, repent, repent. And so repent is a, is, is a continuous action even after you obey. And then we must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, that's one of the easier steps to do because if you believe it, why not profess it? But as, as we had studied last week, it's not a one-time action. We must continue to confess and profess Christ to people. And then you must allow someone to immerse you in water for the remission of sins. Acts 22, 16, that they'll be washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 1, 5. And then you must live faithful until death. That's Revelation 2, 10, as we had studied earlier. Earlier that if those that were living faithful, they would get that crown of life. And so that's our, that's our prize that we're, we're striving for is that crown of life. And then if we 
stumble along the way, well, that's where that repentance comes in again, where we can repent and ask prayers of the church and be restored to God. And so if there's any that need to either obey or to be restored, we ask you come to the front as together we stand to sing the song of encouragement. Wow.